All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of ages 7 through 18. I guess if you can consider an 18-year-old a child, emotionally, yes, and sometimes biologically, but anywho, it is another episode of the Ed Namrock Podcast. Thank you for joining Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. For those of you watching on Facebook, YouTube, now Instagram TV, I made that upgrade. And of course, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor FM, Stitcher, you name it. I'm on pretty much every major platform. But today is Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. Only a few more days before the ho-ho-hos drop down the chimney and bring you some milk and cookies. Yeah, exciting. Anyway, let me just get down to it. One thing I would like to encourage a lot of listeners, a lot of potential prospective and future podcasters is you should definitely go on this one site called procon.org. That's P-R-O-C-O-N.org. And there's a lot of topics that you can use to basically initiate conversation engagement and hopefully some health, healthy discussion because today's, today's uh, state of the country and the world calls for it. Anyway, one particular topic that, as a lot of you know, is rideshare. I have been loyal to Lyft for, I don't know, past three, four years. And then just recently, I decided to become a driver. This was in August, and I tried both Uber and Lyft driving apps as a driver, and I prefer Lyft, so I stick with Lyft. I know there's a lot of people who drive Uber, and there's a lot of people who do both, but I just decided to stick with Lyft. There's no particular reason. I just like I, I liked their culture a little bit better than Uber. I don't even know if you could call it a culture, but we all do the same shit. We all do rideshare services. But one thing on ProCon.org that, you know, I wanted to kind of compare and contrast and get that pro and con discussion going is there's an article on here that says ride hailing apps such as Uber and Lyft top three pros and cons. So let's take a look at those real quick. And there's some dialogue here that I want to read. So that way you can kind of get a glimpse as to our rideshare app a ride hailing company such as Uber and Lyft an overall benefit to society. That's really the ultimate discussion here, the ultimate debate. And it reads here, while 66% of Americans have heard of ride hailing companies such as Uber and Lyft, just 15%, yes, 15% say they have used services in 21% 21 of major cities, of course. So 15%, 15 sorry, say they have used the services. Um, but it's a whopping 21% of major cities, which is not a whole lot. That's a very small 
portion of a population. But before app-based ride-hailing companies came along, riders would have to wave down taxis on the street or call a central dispatch for taxi service. Uh, taxis are still used by more riders in suburban and rural areas while reported on average of 280. Well, I read that wrong. It says taxis are still used by more riders in super, suburban and rural areas while ride hailing dominates population dense cities such as LA, DC, Chicago, New York, Seattle, and so forth. Uh, Uber officially overtook yellow cabs in New York city in two, in July, 2017. So it's been about two years. When it reported an average of 289,000 trips per day compared to 277,000 taxi rides. So that's pretty significant. But more than 2.61 billion ride hailing trips were taken in 2017, a 37% increase over a 1.90 billion trips in 2016. So just so you get a glimpse as to who's using, why they're using, and how much they're using so. But in the rise of Uber and Lyft and other ride hailing services, a welcome disruption of the taxi industry and a means of boosting human mobility and the economy. Well, that's the that's the question. So is the rise, I read that wrong again, is the rise of Uber, Lyft, and other ride hailing services a welcome disruption of the taxi industry and a means of boosting human mobility and the economy or has ride hailing produced more congestion, less passenger safety, which you hear a lot of and contributed to a gig economy that keeps workers near poverty. And okay. So these are the pros and cons. And that last question is contributed to a gig economy that keeps workers near poverty. I can honestly say that, yes, it is a hustle. You really have to work at it. You're not going to get by on just like three, four hours of driving. You really, really have to drive smart. You have to look for different areas where there's bonuses, particularly in Los Angeles. This is just a tip I can offer to a lot of prospective drivers and new drivers that are on the road now. If you are in mid city that includes exits like Hoover, Vermont, La Brea, the list goes on. You can basically find a lot of, a lot of bonus spots even before peak hour hits, usually because the demand is high and there's this thing called a surge or high demand, whatever you want to call it, that um, once it, once the demand starts, then that's your opportunity to capitalize. Now I, I can, before I get ahead of all that stuff, I know a lot of things are going to change January 1st, but I do not have all the information yet. Um, but keep in mind that a lot of us do this as supplemental income and sometimes the only income we have because, you know, a lot of us are struggling. And, um, but here, um, here's the ultimate question. So, are, is Uber and Lyft, is ride-sharing companies in general an overall benefit to society? So here's the first pro. Uh, pro one, so ride-hailing apps offer a convenient, safe, and affordable transportation option that is especially useful to take drunk drivers off the road. I couldn't agree more with this for sure. Um, and it reads here, a full third 
of ride-hailing passengers who own vehicles, 33%, said the main reason they use the service is to avoid drunk driving. Very smart, very intelligent. Kudos to you. Fatal alcohol-related car accidents dropped between 10% and 11.4% after the introduction of ride-hailing services. DUIs went down as much as 9.2% in some cities. Researchers estimate that if ride-hailing were fully implemented across the country, the resulting drop in DUI-related accidents could save 500 lives and $1.3 billion in American taxpayer money annually. Um, that's pretty significant, so um, that's a big pro. So the technology used by ride-hailing companies increases reliability and decreases wait times for consumers and can offer a 20% to 30% discount over the cost of a taxi. This is true. I've seen the taxi rates. They're pretty ridiculous, but I'm not a taxi driver. I don't know. These apps have built-in safety features such as displaying the license plate and car model to ensure that riders get into the correct vehicle. Yes, and sometimes I've picked up the wrong passengers because they have a, a ride share request with the same exact make and model, which is really awkward, but a lot apparently a lot of people have my make and model too. Um, anyway, that's where you have to come in and kind of like, you know, say, hey, wrong car. It out uh, nicely of course and um, it also has the ability to share the route with friends and family GPS tracking cash-free transactions and driver ratings that is the most important thing is safety um, I myself as a driver too can share my route with uh, my spouse for example and that way they can always see where I'm at. But the only thing is when you go offline, say to go use the restroom, to go take a bathroom break, whatever, um, or go get some food, then they can no longer track your ride. Um, so it's at your discretion when you go offline that either a, you communicate with your, you know, with your people, with your person that you're sharing your ride with, that you're going offline. So that way, you're always in constant communication. Now, here's one of the cons. And um, this is what's going to spark discussion, of course. Con one, it says ride hailing services increase traffic congestion, emissions, and total vehicle miles traveled. Yeah. And as far as emissions, I mean, I know a lot of people out there are driving hybrids. I do not drive a hybrid, but I drive a fairly new car and I keep it in really good shape. Um, but you do add a lot of miles to your car. Uh, it can, it's, it continues with uh, ride hailing adds a total of 5.7 billion miles of driving each year in the nine metropolitan areas. That's Boston. Chicago, Los Angeles, Miami, New York, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Seattle, and DC. And that accounts for 70% of such trips in the United States. So that's a lot. That's more than half. At least 40% of the time, drivers are traveling without passengers in the car, which yes, it does happen because you're trying to either hit a bonus spot, 
you're on a lunch break, you're trying to get to a bathroom, whatever the case may be, or you have to take an emergency call. So that's adding more miles and vehicle emissions that wouldn't exist without ride hailing. As many as 60% of riders would have used public transit, walked, biked, or not taken a trip at all if ride hailing wasn't an option. That means that nearly two-thirds of ride hailing trips added additional cars to the road. So now studies show that ride hailing makes traffic worse during already congested rush hours because of extra cars they add to the road and because these drivers look at their phones more for passenger pickups and directions. Researchers found that ride hailing contributes to a net increase in greenhouse gas emissions. Now, regarding the congestion, I live in LA. There's really no way around that. The only time you really don't see any cars on the road is during, I would say, a major holiday or... That's it. <laughs> or sometimes a furlough day for some of the county workers down in downtown. But there's really no way around it, to be honest with you. I mean, and the, here's the other thing. There's a lot of people that don't like to drive to work. They don't, their commute sometimes is because they don't have a car. They can't drive um, or they just choose not to and prefer and they can afford it. That's the other thing. They'll, they'll, we have this thing called the morning commute for uh for both uber and lyft and you'd be surprised from the time 5 a.m all the way to 11 a.m strikes there's a lot of people requesting rides that go to work and a lot of them are going westbound to the major uh los angeles metropolitan areas so does it make traffic worse not necessarily traffic's a, it's Traffic has been bad even before rideshare came along. So I can't, I can only speak for my city. Um, the other thing is I know a lot of people ride bikes. They do take public transit. One of the biggest complaints that uh, all the New Yorkers that I pick up have is our transit system. It's not, it's not New York's transit system. Ours is still under development only because I've noticed that New York works vertically like this and we work horizontally. So our trips are left and right. They're kind of up and down. Well, I'm not saying that's up and down necessarily, but um, they have developed a very efficient uh, subway system, for example, and um, they just get around a lot quicker and they can walk to more places in New York City, for example. Uh, the only way that can be made possible in LA is if you live in downtown LA, for example, or the Wilshire district. But, um, yeah, I can't, I can't really say it, it makes traffic worse, but makes traffic worse. But, you know, traffic was already bad before that anyway. So, um, and people keep moving here when we're absolutely full. Hmm. Um, well, here's, here's, Pro two, and I'm not going to go through all the pros, but um, there's some good ones here. But I think the second one is probably the one that most people are more concerned with, and it reads Pro two. This is Pro two. 
ride-hailing companies create jobs and boost the economy. It goes on to read, there are more than 2 million Uber and Lyft drivers in the United States. It's probably bigger by now. Uber reported 12.9 billion in 2017 take-home gross revenue for the US, for its US, US drivers. Now here's the thing, that was the heyday of rideshare and there was some hacks that were taking place especially at the at LAX for example when all the drivers would go offline before peak hour hits no one would get a ride request and then when peak would hit they would all go online together and get the peak hour rates so no ride requests were being met before that which clearly i i i i got that right away and they go as far as like tag the little crew name inside the lax porta potties and it's like a little gang or some shit it's stupid like whatever like petty fucking it's like high school god anyway drivers have flexibility to set their own hours which again is going to change i think um because of california ab5 which is another thing that you know later we can talk about um as a matter of fact i got another podcast being planned that we might just uh talk about that and that's going to be very interesting so um so a benefit that 80 percent site as important to them yes it is because you can just get up and do it whenever you like uh nearly nearly one in four which is 23 percent were unemployed prior to becoming a driver i was one of those people 63% of drivers work behind the wheel, fewer than 20 hours per week. I work way more than that. Using the job to supplement their incomes and pay bills. Yes, it is very good supplemental income, especially if you work in a full-time or even a part-time job, uh, depending on what you're doing and how much you're making. So um, I never, ever discourage not doing it. But if you have a car, and even now you don't need a car, you can. there's a rental program that they that they um, incorporated with new drivers, um, you might want to look into it to see if uh, it suits you and if you can make supplemental income. But like, again, like I mentioned earlier, you can't just drive like three or four trips under 20 hours or even at 20 hours and expect to, to make a big profit if you don't have your own car. Um, I've, I've seen how, you know, you have to basically pay the house when you're renting a car from Uber and Lyft. And um, usually you break even or you don't make a profit at all because you have to pay it all back. Um, anyway, I don't know the exact specifics because I have my own car and I, you know, keep the money. And of course, you have to give it to you owe Uncle Sam at the, at the end of the year, pretty much. But it goes on to read, the, the Economic Development Research Group found that Uber contributed $17 billion in gross domestic product to the U.S. economy, as well as $580 million in added business productivity and $11 million in additional spending by inter international visitors, which I pick up a lot of, who use ride-hailing to travel to more locations than they otherwise would have. Yeah, I... Kid you not, I if I had a a nickel for each time I picked up someone from Denmark, Norway, China, Japan, Korea, you name it, um, I'd be a fucking millionaire. But 
there's a lot of people who come from different countries here and immediately they, that's the first uh, resource to travel around town is, is rideshare. Uh, but Lyft reported that its drivers earn more than $3.6 billion in 2017. Remember, Lyft is a little bit younger and that passengers contributed an additional $2 billion of spending in their communities. 54% of riders say they explore their cities more, which it's freaking amazing how you get to know a lot of places not only around the LA metropolitan area, but outside of LA County, like Orange County. And I went as far as Ventura County and finally got to see Ojai, Camarillo and Oxnard. And I must say, not only is it green and beautiful, but the vibe is just so much different and it's a beautiful town. And um, that goes for Camarillo and Oxnard and Ojai. Um, it's quite the drive, quite the commute. It's maybe like an hour and a half, almost two hours if you're lucky, but it's quite the scenery. It's, it's beautiful out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's, that's the second pro. Um, then there's a second con con number two, which reads ride hailing drivers earn low pay that is often below minimum wage. And Here's the thing is, yes, it's 1099 work. It's contract work. We don't receive employee benefits. And it goes on to read, they also pay for gas and car maintenance, which, yes, you have to pay for gas and car maintenance anyway. Uh, something 44% of drivers say they have a hard time affording. Uh, like I said, it depends on the hustle. It depends how how you're you're driving. Like I said, drive smart, don't drive lavishly know know your routes know your bonus areas know when to drive um i usually recommend um if you're a morning person drive the morning commute it's pretty heavy there's some bonuses there and look out for the streaks as well that will uh maximize your your return on investment as i like to call it so but it also goes on to read the the economic policy institute says that uber drivers earn less than what 90% of work, workers earn and their hourly compensation falls below the mandated minimum wage in nine of 20 major markets. Um, that's pretty interesting. Uh, 2018 report from economists at UC Berkeley and the new school found that 40% of ride hailing drivers have income so low they qualify for Medicaid and another 16% have no health insurance. 18% qualify for federal supplement nutrition assistance, nearly twice the rate for New York City workers overall. Half of ride-hailing drivers are the main earners for their families and are supporting children given a medium hourly pay of $14.73 for Uber drivers. A 40-hour work week would result in an annual salary of close to 31000 before vehicle expenses. And yes, you pump gas maybe twice a week, depending on how much you drive. And right now, gas is not exactly that cheap. So you're looking at maybe anywhere from $80 to $100 a week. So, um, and about $20,000 after accounting for costs incurred by drivers right at the poverty threshold for a family of three. 
Wages for drivers dropped 53% from 2014 to 2017. Now, let me just say this about the the wage part. It, It is imperative that if you are relying on rideshare to provide for your family and for yourself, um, be sure you do have a financial plan. It's, it's super important. It's very, very hard. It's very difficult to strategize, especially like I'm not good with money. I openly admit, I openly admit to that. Um, but it's, it's, I'm not exactly giving you the best advice because I'm, I'm one, one, I'm not that good with money, but you know, I do my absolute best to capitalize on this particular rideshare opportunity whenever I get the chance, because it's very tricky first and foremost, because you have to find areas in your city um, and sometimes outside where you live to find the most money to be made. And in my case, I always have to hit downtown. Sometimes I'll start at LEX. And if you're lucky, you get a decent ride, like a, you know, a 40 to $50 ride Um, that can start your day. But here's the catch is say, say you start off at LEX and you pick up a passenger from the staging lot, the new staging lot, by the way, there's a new staging lot. Uh, it was a disaster at first, but now it got better. And you pick them up from LAX and you take them all the way down to Huntington Beach, for example. Okay, so now you're stuck in Huntington Beach. And depending on what day it is, Huntington Beach doesn't exactly have... I haven't really encountered any bonus areas in Huntington Beach. Plus, the passengers are much different. They're not like they are in, in LA. Um you might, you might be wondering, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Mm, it could be a roll of the dice because at least in LA, um, you know exactly what you're getting most of the time. Um, a lot of young professionals, a lot of older professionals, and they just want to get to and from as quickly as possible. Now, now you got to strategize. Like you just ended up in Huntington Beach. And now you got to make your way back to LA. Um, so the only choice you have is you go offline and you go back to LA and you just, you know, have to end up there and go back online. Um, There is a feature on the app that only limits you to two per day, which is drive to destination. And that's basically, say you do get stuck in Huntington Beach and you wanna go to LA and pick up rides on the way, then they only give you two of those a day to take advantage of. Um, the other one is head to, de- that's the head to destination one. Um, arrive on time is the other feature where if you have to be somewhere at a certain time, it'll start, the algorithm will start finding you rides closer to that destination that um, you want to get to at a certain hour and then remind you that it's time to head in that direction at that, you know, a little bit before, you know, that hour hits or whatever. Um, but like I said, it, the head to destination only allows you to a day. It's pretty tricky. Um, the, the best thing I could recommend right now, and I don't know how this is going to be, 
um, affected uh, as of January 1st because because of California AB5. Um, if you do start off at LEX or downtown and you end up outside of the bonus area, go offline and then just get your ass back as quick as possible. And sometimes that's not even possible because of traffic. So you're going to have to improvise a little bit and just take what you got and then just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. Don't give up a lot of the, the, the pro to driving is you get really good at driving, especially in traffic, stay focused, uh, pay really good attention to the job of driving um, I know a lot of people don't. I see a lot of distract, distracted driving on the road. Um, make sure you have your car mount. Make sure you're not fucking with your phone so damn much, especially in front of a passenger. That's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit unprofessional, and uh, quite frankly, it's downright you know unsafe. So don't do it. Um, I know a lot of a lot of riders. Um, I'm a lot of riders. A lot of drivers that get. Uh, reviewed by writers, uh, very low scores, very low stars for that particular reason. Um, and then, you know, just pick up on social cues, know when to talk, when not to talk. And um, even ask, like, would you prefer some music? Would you prefer not music? Don't. I know a lot of drivers get really stubborn and just play whatever they want. Um, or, you know, I usually have a podcast on um, and I try so hard to keep um, the profane, uh, content or, you know, whatever is on, like, especially Joe Rogan and Tom Segura and stuff like that. Um, but just simply ask them if they, if they want to listen to music or if they don't, um, and then just keep at it, keep at it. Look, look out for the streaks. Um, like I said, be patient. Um, usually here's the thing. I know a lot of people like to cash out. I know I do like right away, right after, uh, you finish driving, but sometimes people tend to tip late. So um, either A, just build your bankroll and wait to the actual weekly payout, payout on Tuesdays. Every Tuesdays you get a weekly payout. Um, you can either do that or if you need the money, just cash out. But just keep your eye out for late tips. Um, they always tend to do that for some reason. But um, Anyway, that's something I wanted to discuss on the podcast and share with you. Um, there's obviously more that's coming because as of January 1st, um, a lot of these rideshare companies and as well as the, the food delivery services are going to have to define what is an hourly employee and an independent contractor. So that's going to be interesting. So um, again, Ed Namro podcast available on all major platforms, Spotify, Anchor FM, Apple podcast, uh, Google podcast, uh, Stitcher. Uh, and then of course I have the video stuff on Facebook, Facebook page is at Ed Namro podcast. Check it out. I'm also on YouTube. I don't have a very big audience on YouTube, but check it out anyway. Um, until then, uh, we have more podcasts coming soon and have a great week. And happy holidays.